Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport, 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. And welcome to the Roker Report Extra podcast. And ahead of the League One playoff final, we've had a late injury replacement, meaning you get me again. I'm James Lawson. I'm delighted to say I've been joined this week by Nathan from the Charlton Live podcast. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, not living the dream as always yourself. Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Um, obvious place to start such a big game is just how confident are we feeling just a few days <laughs> out? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm confident. But, you know, I think um, even, I'm sure we'll talk about even if you go back to the 98, um, anything can happen on its day. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going there in, in a decent run of form. A little bit of a slip up against Donny last game, as you can understand. But, yeah, I'm confident. But, listen, we know that Sunderland are a good team and it's going to be difficult. So, I think both teams are going to have to be on their A game. And I think the best team, or well, the team that will go up for sure, will be the team that relaxes the most, I think. It's going to be close, it's going to be tight. I mean, one thing we're hoping is obviously that the experience of having been at Wembley before, being familiar with the surroundings, might just might just sort of mean that we relax relax quicker and we did start the better in the checker trade final. So, I mean, that's something that we can obviously draw on. But like you said, in a one-off game, you never know whether or not that stuff's going to matter. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you had the game against Pompey. The Trump players weren't there today. Um, with the staff have a little look around because obviously we haven't played at the new Wembley we, obviously we played at the the old towers as it were and um, but yeah I mean you could, I suppose you have got that slight advantage um, but then it could go against you as well I mean it's the second time I mean you did I mean the first half I think you played better than Pompey and possibly should have probably would have gone in in a slightly better position but it could work against you as well I mean it could be more pressure who knows but like you say it's 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 one game and it's whoever handles it the most is going to come out of it, I think. Yeah, now I do think I do think it will help sort of in terms of that first 45 minutes, but then yeah. consequently, if it is level or we're 1-0 up with 20 minutes to go, you do have those bad memories of 
Thompson popping up at the back post and extra time and, and all that. So yeah, it definitely could go both ways. One of the things I sort of wanted to do to start, Nathan, was sort of set the table because obviously it's a huge game for Sunderland. We mm. don't know what's going to happen in terms of ownership, funding coming into the club and what's going on. I feel like it's a very similar situation with you guys. Um, do you think Lee Bowyer, whether or not he's staying, sort of what happens on Sunday? Do you think it depends on that? Um if I'm totally honest with you, I, th- I wish I could give you a straightforward a- answer, but I think with our ownership the last few years, nothing's ever straightforward there. And I mean, if you had any other owner in charge uh, at Charlton at the moment, Bowie would have been signed up probably <laughs> beginning of the, the beginning of the season, at least by Christmas, because of the job he's done when he came in last year. But uh, listen, I mean, Bowie has come out and said, um, he's just focusing on the playoffs. He doesn't want any any distractions. You know, he wants to stay. I mean, I don't know if if Roland's waiting to see if we go up or not. But I mean, either way, even if we don't go up, to to let Bowyer go after he's, what he's done has been absolutely insane. So the contract it was reported to be more sort of incentivised in terms of how the club does financially and stuff. But again, that's just as uh, reported. Um, so yeah, so and it's gone. It's gone back to the drawing board, and it's just sat there at the moment. The question, the answer would be, I don't know if I'm honest with you, mate. But um, I think all Chant fans are obviously hoping that he just gets just signs the dotted line as soon as he gets a reasonable offer. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I sort of went back and forth on how to word that one because I was watching the games on Sky. The the contract situation was like the their one big newsworthy point. And I did think, is this just because the owner's crap or is there more to the story? Is what you're thinking about championship teams? I really sort of couldn't get my head around it. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, even if you cast back to uh, months and well, over a year ago now, Boya, uh, when we had Carl Robinson in charge, Boya only came in as one day a week to work on the midfielders. He was happy doing his fishing and not being in the limelight, came in and helped out one day a week, went to two days and to three days. Then to assistant, Robbo left, went in as caretaker, got the buzz. And he hasn't looked back really. He's got, you know, he's the highest win percentage of, of any of our managers. Um, and he's got that, he's got that little bit of a hunger now and, and, and he's enjoying it. And to be fair, I mean, in terms of championship, you look at if, if, if a championship team is out there and they're looking for a young manager who can, who probably want to change, you know, the identity of a football club. I mean, obviously QPR were sort of touted around him, but, I don't know if that was agent talk or whatever. So he's gonna he's gonna uh, you know attract bigger clubs. But as far as I'm aware, you know, Bose wants to stay here. He's got he's built something. He's starting to build something, and he wants to take it to the next level, like any manager. Yeah, from the outside looking in, it's it's an incredible job. From sort of <laughs> what I've seen in the three or four times I've watched Charlton this season, I've sort of been impressed with how you play. You look like a well coached team. But I sort of wanted to just get one or two more ownership bits and bobs out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think if you go up this season, that's it? You're finally rid of him, or is that is that too much? Well, much yeah. Again, I mean, I think the sticking point at the moment is I think that he wants too much money as it is in League One. So, if we go up, does his price go up? <laughs> if he, you know, if we go up and his price remains the same as been, you know, been rumoured, then it's going to be harder to to sell it even more. So, I think if we do go up, you're hoping. You know, someone does come in and just just take it off his hands because he he doesn't want to be there either. He's come out publicly and said that he doesn't want to be here. It's the worst thing he's ever done. Um, but he obviously wants to reclaw some of the money he's obviously shelled out to buy us. 
to, to sort of to reclaim it. But it's in a way, it's he's trying to reclaim money for his own failings. So, and that's why I think there's probably not a lot of, I think there's a lot of interested parties. I just don't think anyone's silly enough to pay the money that he wants. Yeah, and I was surprised um, doing my research today for this pod, like the Daily Mail article that's ran talking about our owners looking to sell and, and make a profit off their sort of one year's business here was 50 million was sort of like the asking price that Daily Mail touted. And then various reports looking at the Charlton situation, I think it was the Evening Standard, had the asking price for you guys at 70. And I was kind of thinking, how does that work? I know that there's a premium, <laughs> but yeah, that seems that seemed a bit steep. Yeah, I mean, if if if, we, if you know if we got relegated, this, if we were in the Premiership at the same time as you and got relegated exactly the same time as you, then maybe you'd think, yeah, maybe London Premium, as you say. But we've been in that league for too long. I can't remember how many years we've been playing the likes, of, you know, Rochdale and Gillian and offense to those. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane the amount the, the amount he wants, and it, I think that's obvious in terms of why nothing's gone through. Um, and it's just getting to a point now where it's getting boring <laughs> yeah. and it's just, just, it's getting to a point where you, we can't control it. So it will happen. It, I'm no doubt it will happen. It's just a case of when and not if. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll move on to sort of more positive stuff in that case. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to so say, yeah, yeah, I feel great on a Thursday now. Cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, 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 we'll move quickly on to sort of Bowie, uh, Johnny Jackson and the coaching staff and sort of, what what is it that's made him so successful? What's sort of been the keys to to Bo's success as a first time manager? Well, I mean, obviously Bo's came in, obviously taking over Robbo, and um, we we had uh, a lot of players that we had, you know, there playing in a in a system that Robbo liked with the two wingers and one just behind the front man, and um, and then obviously we made, we had that late surge when he took over. Um, we were, I think we were mid-table and then we ended up in finishing sixth and lost to the uh, Shrewsbury in the playoffs. And what Bowes did, he looked at what we had and where we lacked and he knew that we didn't have that bite. We didn't have that aggression in that middle. We, we usually got overpowered by teams, um, which is definitely what happened against Shrewsbury. Um, so he's come in and he's, he's no, he knows what he wants. Um, and bearing in mind, he, you know, we've not spent we've not spent a penny on any transfer fees for, what, three years, I think it is, um, since we bought Josh McGuinness, who's now at Bolton. Um, and he's come in and he's been shrewd with his loan signings, Jim Bielik and Josh Cullen. Um, Joe Rebo stepped up, a free transfer of Lyle Taylor. So we don't have the biggest squad, but we've got quality instead of quantity. And what Bose has always said with the signings he's made since he's come in, he said there's no point signing someone to make up the numbers. They're either going to have to improve the sixteen. Or it's not worth doing it because we've got the youngsters of Morgan and Lapsley and Dick still coming through. So, and that's what he's done. And he's he's come in and he's had his own way of playing. Um, he obviously throughout the year he's mainly played this four four two narrow diamond formation, which has been effective. Um, but with Christian Bielik there, who usually sits at the base of the diamond, he can also fit into centre back, and we can go to a back three and play with wing back. So. The way he plays and the way his style of football is quite fluid and it can change in games. So I think that's what, because we can be so so adaptable in terms of a game, I think that's probably where we're quite strong and where it's, it's put us in good stead for the whole year. Yeah, I, want, I wanted to bring that up actually because that was another thing, sort of watching the two legs on TV. They had Higginbottom on commentary for both of them and he was he was geeking out about 
I think Boya said in the game at the keep mode, you're going to start in the back four. Mm. Then you lined up straight away in the back three. And he was like, oh, Boya's done a series. He was, he was, he was loving it. Also, disgusted Lyle Taylor was uh, on a free transfer. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, I know obviously he did, he did speak to Sunderland. And I mean, when I heard that, he obviously chose to go, you know, come to us instead of you. I was quite surprised, especially, you know, you're one of the favourites to go up and, you know, you still had you know, decent players there. You know, you've got Chris McGuire and McGeady and, you know, and obviously only now you've got Will Grigg, but it's still a big club and, you know, expected to go up. But I think him obviously living, you know, being born around the corner, um, being a South London boy, um, I think it obviously turned turned his head and, and luckily for us, um, he come here. Because, I mean, he always, when he played for Wimbledon, he always scored against us and he obviously scored at Wembley for Wimbledon against uh, Plymouth, I think it was. Um, so he's got experience scoring at Wembley. I knew he'd be good. I knew he'd yeah. score goals, but I didn't anticipate him being as good as he has. And especially when Carlin, Carlin Grant went to Huddersfield, I thought the burden was going to be a bit too much to fall in Lyle. But after a couple of games, he got into a swing of it, changed his game slightly and he's obviously reaping the rewards now. So I'm, I'm delighted for him. And, um, he obviously won the player of the year the other week and I think it was right, you know, well well deserved to be fair. Yeah, and I think um the game at the Valley out of sort of the the thirteen, fourteen or so games I actually got to to watch live. Mm. I didn't see a better player. I know Kiefer Moore was very good against us at the stadium light, scored two, and I I streamed that game, but in terms of games I was there for him against us in that game just sort of torturing Jack Baldwin and Reese James, it was just like my God, we could have done with this guy. I think I think even in that game, he missed chances. I didn't think that he yeah. was at his absolute best, but he's just, mm-hmm. he's a massive matchup problem for us. And I think it's quite a boring thing to say, but like how the game's refereed, how much grabbing Alan Mosterk's able to get away with in mm-hmm. terms of marking him will have a huge, huge impact on on what happens on Sunday. Yeah, it will. And and obviously, for the, you know, Lyle plays off the cuff. Um, you know, and we, you know, I asked him a question at the player of the year and I said to him, do you like being this pantomime villain? Because you go up and down the country, there's not a lot of people that like Lyle, <laughs> probably because A, he scores goals against you and B, he's not one to shirk a battle. You know, he's there, he'll be doing his fair share of grabbing and, you know, muscling and bustling and all that. He'll do his fair share of that. So yeah, it'll be key. And the, and the difficulty what St. Harves have with, with Lyle is what he'll do, especially if we play two up top, is he'll just split. He'll drag out to the left. He'll drag out to the right. So the goal we scored at the Valley was from his cross, cross and it was an own goal by... Um, James, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. So it was an own goal. So And then what, what that then does is then you've got your centre-halves going, right, do I go with him or do I leave it to my full-back? You know, then you get the overload from the full from our full-back and then they're a bit of a, well, what do we do here? And then your centre-halves are wondering if they're coming or going. And then that he hit, and that's why I can't remember how many how many assists he's got, but he's in double figures for assists. The, obviously, the Darren Prattley's equaliser, well, the goal aggregate equaliser again was from a Lyle Taylor cross. So he he provides that problem. He's not one to sit on the last shoulder or just stay quite central. And I think that's what poses defenders so many problems. Yeah, that will especially be a problem with Sunderland as well because. It was Reese James who he absolutely tortured. And Reese James is arguably the best pure defender in our squad. And mm. he just had nothing for Taylor. On Sunday, in all likelihood, it's going to be Oviedo who's 
obviously a, a very big talent in his own right, but a guy who wants to be going forward. He wants to be lurking in the space that Aidan McGeady creates for him and wants to be going forward. So you do wonder if Taylor does go out to the right and does sort of go into those wide areas, what we're going to do. That, that's something that I hadn't really thought about. I remember thinking Taylor is a huge matchup problem for our centre-backs. don't really have any mm. obvious person to put on him, but it's the full-backs as well that you have to worry about with him. And that, that could be another area of joy for you guys. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because do, do you guys play four four two, don't you? Or do you play two wingers? Four four two three one, really. So yeah, yeah. So you've got your two, you've got your two wingers out wide. Because I, th- I think personally, I think Bozo goes to, to with wing backs simply to try and to obviously if if Oviedo are going to try on the overload, you're going to have your two wingers occupied by our full back or wing backs, and then that if Oviedo does go forward, and maybe you're, is it O'Neill your right back? Is it? Yeah, yeah. If they go forward, that's when Taylor's going to go. I tell you what, then you go, you go and enjoy yourself. I'll come out here, and then you've got your likes of your centre arse of Ozturk going right. If they get the ball now, which I still think we're one one of the quickest teams on the break. If we get the ball through the middle within two passes, Taylor's in. Then you're in a bit of problem, and I think that's where we might get our joy. I don't think we're gonna, you know, we're not like a, a you know a long ball team, so we're not going to pump balls into the box or anything like that. We'll try and be clever. Um, so I think that that might be. Uh, an interesting way if Charlton are going to get down, but um, but obviously we've got our weaknesses as well. If we play four four two diamond, you're going to have a lot of space in the wider areas, which you're going to play into your hands. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. But again, I just think it's going to be the team who relaxes the most. I really do. That's one of the quite nice things about our team is that some of our best players are our most experienced players, sort of mm. in terms of our goalkeeper, Catmull, McGeady, who I'm almost certain will start. I mean. I know he didn't play in the first or second leg, but I'm I'm fairly confident he'll start. So you'd think they're the sort of guys that aren't going to get overawed by the big moment. And mm. yeah, I'm really hoping that can be another thing. You talked about Carlin Grant and obviously how important he was. And mm. I think it must have been one of his last last games for the club when we drew one one with you. How did how did Bo sort of adapt his team so you're able to sort of go on this great run after you left? Well, I mean, yeah, it was difficult. I mean, because he, I mean, as soon as there was, int- there was interest from Huddersfield, I don't think, you know, a lot of people were disappointed, but I don't think anyone can begrudge a kid, even though it was, what, a couple of months playing in the Premier League. I still think he finished their top goal scorer, um, which I know they weren't prolific. <laughs> yeah. But um, he was a good player. And, and there was a game up at, up at Accrington where, which was quite early in the season, we drew. It was one of our, Apart from Friday, it was one of our poorest performances, and and Carlin was a bit greedy. He should have cut it back to Lyle, and had a bit of a bit of a an argument, shall we say? You know, in, behind the scenes, not like massively, but you know, if if someone doesn't pass, you're going to get yeah. the ump. But then after that, they started clicking. Um, so when obviously when he left, I mean Taylor's no slouch, but Carlin was one of the quickest players I've ever seen. And what we used to be able to do is we used to play on the break. He used to go into channels. He could run at people. Um, so obviously when he left, we had that bit of pace up there on the shoulder, um, making defenders look, you know, I don't want to go to push too high up because we've got this kid behind yeah. us. Um, so we've had to be a little bit more cute. We've got to be a little bit more clever in terms of our play on opening up the space, which is where Joe Rebo's come into his own. And to an extent, um, he's not scored as he's not scored any goals as much as we wanted him to. He's Johnny Williams and he's got that. You know, I know you guys have had him. Um, he's actually been quite injury-free. He's had a couple of knocks, but nothing major. 
but those sort of players we've got to be a little bit more clever and we've started to adapt and we went on that that game that I can't remember how many games it was nine unbeaten or something until the Oxford game um, and uh, at the Luton home game we were beaten three one more or less comfortably and we just had, we just had to be more clever and I think that's what we started to do and I think that's why the confidence is so high at the moment because everyone knows the job knows what how we can play and how well we can. Yeah, and it was it was a big big surprise when I'd be paying attention to Quest and I'd see that Williams was still fit or that Williams was in the team, like because it is one of those players where you're just sort of waiting for the next one. I mean, that's obviously a testament to your medical staff, but I was surprised at that. Do you think he's is he going to be on the bench like he was for the first two legs? Um, well, I mean, the, the, the home game is he only just joined, so and I think it, it was his first appearance off the bench against you boys, but. So he didn't have that much training. He came, he played okay when he came in against Doncaster. It's we was talking about this just on Charlton Live and where, what Bowie is going to do. And I've got, I think if he plays four at the back, I think he might start Williams um, at the top of the diamond. Um, or the other hand, he might go for the more experienced Prattley in the middle of that sort of wise ahead. Um, but the problem is with Prattley, he he should really sit at the bottom of the diamond because. He's not as agile he used to be. And um, I think Christian Bielik fits into that a lot more. So I, I'm probably leaning towards that Johnny Williams will probably start. Um, but, you know, he's a good player and he has shown that. I just think sometimes he, you know, Bowie's come out and said that he needs that final ball or he needs to score or he needs to set up goals. And he, and he needed to improve that because he's, he's bought, you know, you know he's, he's work outside the box. He's interchanging players. Brilliant. And he's quick. He can drive at people. It's just that final pass or that you know that shot that he needed to work on. And he's got a couple of assistants, and so we'll see. I mean, this is the this is the quandary. We don't really know what, what Bo's going to go with, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if William starts. What would happen with Aribo if if William starts? Do, do the two of them sort of dovetail off Taylor, or who, who yeah. misses out? Well, I mean, Aribo will start no matter what. So what will happen is if. If uh, Johnny Williams does start, um, all that will happen is you'll have a Rebo that will go in the centre with Josh Cullen, quite narrow and umbilicus it. Um, if J- Johnny Williams doesn't start, a Rebo will be at the top of the diamond and then you'll have someone like a, an Albie Morgan or a George Lapsley or maybe even a, a Darren Prattley will come into that narrow position. But um, if Prattley does start, I can't see him. He, he, I don't know, he might go for the experience, but a Rebo can play... He can play quite deep, or he can. He's a box to box. He's a bit of an all round player, really. He's been he's been terrific. So, uh, Jari will be probably the second name on that team sheet, I think, or third. Without wanting to twist the knife, does, do you have to get promoted to keep him, or is, is there a yeah. sort of theory goes either way? Well, I mean, his contract's up, um, and you've uh, you know I know you don't really believe everything you read in the papers, but you've had uh, apparently Arsenal's looking, Southampton, Man City, someone in Germany's looking. Um, so they'll only have to pay a nominal fee for uh, under 23 um, if we don't go up I think we'll lose a lot of players I think Taylor will go I think Arebo will go Patrick Bowles already said that he, he won't be there we won't get Cullen and Billick back um, so we'll have a very different team next year So, but it's not do or die we, we certainly won't keep those players they're, they're too good for this league Joe's too good for this league Lyle is um, so I think if there's any chance of him staying and signing a new contract, which is probably why he hasn't signed a new contract yet, and I, you know I can understand that, is we probably do need to go up there to keep him. That was the the huge eye opener because 
he played in the opening game, but but that game just sort of like seems like a blur now. Was mm. watching you in these in these playoffs and just being like, because I was sort of of the impression that Taylor's probably the best player in the league, probably the best player I'd seen. And then I'm watching you in these playoffs, thinking, wait a minute, he's not even the best player on Charlton's team. Mm. I was just so blown away by how good Arebo was. And yeah. yeah, I think it was in the second half when Parker came off. Mm. And he had Taylor and Aribo playing close together. And it's just such a deadly combo for this level. I was really, really impressed. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's because uh, obviously Taylor will get all the plaudits and understandably so. You know, he's won us games on his own and the goals he scored. But honestly, the, you know, the Billicks and the Cullens and the Aribos, when they're out, you notice. Uh, when Josh Cullen dislocated his shoulder, he was out for like three months and over Christmas and I think we went on our worst run. I can't remember how many games, but we went on a really poor run of form. So we missed him. You can notice Billick when we ain't got that, that aggression, that strength in the middle. And Joe is good going forward, but it, it's hard to explain. When you see him every week, he just has this knack of having, he's got these long legs and can just win balls or he's so quick, he'll just turn you inside out within a blink and he's gone. And he's so... He's improved so much. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, he's one of my favourites. I still think Cullen will probably be my, my favourite player, but Joe Rebo will probably be my number two. Yeah, very interesting. Um, what's what's Rebo's best position? So, I mean, I mean, he, he, he's obviously more effective in terms of uh, as a number 10. Um, but like I said, he, he he's no slouch. He'll get back, so he could be a box to box. But I think just behind the behind the two strikers is probably where he'll be more effective. Getting in between the defence and the midfield lines is probably where we'll call, cause more damage. Yeah, no. Um, one of the things which has sort of given me more confidence since I started prepping today for this was looking back and seeing how similar the team was when we are. Uh, drew 1-1 with you because I remember at the time there was a lot of talk of sort of Charlton's injury crisis they can barely field a fit team and I was mm. like if that's them without most of their best players they they were better than us and then it's looking back and looking at sort of how few of our players that played that day are going to play again on Sunday that sort of was quite a reassuring thing is this sort of sort of my main takeaway from the game was that you're a good team that you, you reacted well because we were very good in that first half yeah, an hour. First we half, probably let yeah. you off the hook, taking a few too many bad shots. But my mm. sort of main takeaway was this this team's a problem, especially with Taylor up front. And I'm just sort of hoping maybe with Catamol in there, if Ozturk can get away with his 10 million fouls, we might have some joy. But that was a real concern for me coming away from that one one. Yeah, and I think I think the Sunday, I think the the game at the well, the first game, obviously we only had five subs at Prattley who weren't even fit and Georgie actually making his first senior appearance so I think like that game we'll forget about that one exactly. but the home game I don't think I, I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure Josh Cullen didn't play in the home game um, and Josh Cullen really makes his tick so he you know and, and it'll be like you say about Lee Catamore I don't know if Ledbetter will be playing as well um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting how them two do cope with the likes of you know maybe not Johnny Williams but you know the likes of Arribos how they're going to try and stop him in the game but yeah, I mean, like you say, it's the first half of the home game, yeah, you by far the better team. McGeady was showing uh, why he's one of the best players in the league on his day if he's hitting hitting form. Um, but then we came into it, and you know, it was 
you could, but I think first half, I think we did give you guys so much respect. Rightly so, you're a good team, but I think we gave you a bit too much respect and we were a bit on the back foot a little bit. But it'll be interesting, yeah, especially how, how you guys set up. And if uh, Ozturk does get a couple of fouls, we'll take those because we have got a couple of good dead ball specialists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, um, it, it was one of those where I think we probably did have you rattled, but at the same mm. time, considering we had you rattled, I was impressed with how the team didn't really sort of shirk. They didn't sort of give up. There was never any sense that Charlton were out of the game. I mean, we, yeah, White missed some chances. We probably could have done more, probably should have got our foot down when we were on top. But I just remember coming away from that game, being a bit concerned about the prospect of playing Charlton again. And But yeah, and no, I do expect Ledbetter to play. I do think it will be. Actually, I'm not, not 100% sure because he does seem to like pairing power in there with Catamol for his legs yeah. but it could I think it could be Ledbetter and Catamol sitting with Honeyman yeah with Honeyman in front and then maybe McGeady and Maguire out wide maybe he goes for the pace of Gooch um, and then it'll be Wyke up front with with Grigg in reserve if needed that's what I mean it's a, it's a decent you know it's not a, it's not a league one team you know it's, it's a championship championship team um, and it's going to be tricky. And I just think uh, that's why I think the first sort of 15, 20 minutes, I'd imagine they'll be sussing each other out uh, like a chess match, trying to see who, you know, trying to get the feel, feel of it. Yeah, and they'll take it from there. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how both teams set up because I think they've kept it close to the chest. I mean, obviously, Igor Vettikeli, who came into form before he got a knock, he's obviously, um, uh, it was rumoured that he was going to miss it. But, you know, we saw there was videos this week him doing some fitness works. We don't know if he's going to play. Will he play him with um, with Lyle? Or like you said, is he going to just play Lyle and just put a rebo and let just say to a rebo, right, just go into these pockets, go and do what you want. And I think that could be a key. It could be an option. And then I think that could be a problem if he does do that. Yeah, with, with, with us, the big the big question mark, sort of that, that band behind White, which free goes with, because... Honeyman, I feel like, I just don't feel he's been playing particularly well since he got sent off really stupidly against Wickham. But he's the captain. Ross always plays him. I can't yeah. see him leaving him out. And if nah, he doesn't leave Honeyman boy. out, that leaves him with, yeah, that leaves him with the power Leadbitter conundrum. And that's sort of the big one. I mean, he went with Leadbitter in the Checker trade final, brought power on for him quite early in the second half. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that again. But yeah, obviously, if you've got younger, fitter players in there, maybe maybe Catamol and Ledbitter isn't the best option. But then again, if you want to keep the ball, if you want to take a bit of the sting out of the game first 20 minutes, Ledbitter is yeah. the perfect player for that. Yeah, that's what I mean. It'll be interesting. And obviously, you've got, in terms of the attacking sense, you've got obviously Christian Bielik, who's obviously a big physical, you know, big physical unit. Um, so obviously whoever plays at the, in the middle of those three um, it'd be interesting how, who goes up so if it was a Honeyman how he's going to get because obviously Honeyman's quite slight isn't he so but yeah. Honeyman's, Honeyman's dangerous so I think I think in terms of if, if I think of the game now I think your joy will probably be in your wider your Maguire's and your McGeady's especially if we do play if we do play forward at back and play quite narrow they're probably going to have quite a lot of space out there if he goes for wing backs and he marks man to man, then it's the likes of Honeyman trying to get into those gaps and the and the two forwards try maybe if they pull out and try our drag our centre backs out of position, then maybe that'll be another bit of joy for you guys. Yeah, the other the other option we've got, which could be quite interesting, and he was 
arguably our best player in the first half of Wembley last time is Lewis Morgan, mm. who we got on loan from Celtic. And yeah. he's been up and down. He's He's been like a young player. Is he's, he's sort of been inconsistent. He was awful in the first day against Portsmouth and sort of... I know, I watched it. <laughs> yeah, voluntarily gave away gave away his starting spot. He was just, oh my God. So um, he's he's obviously an option. I think that's the really positive thing sort of now. Even if McGeady wasn't fit, we'd have a lot of options coming off the bench in an attacking sense. And I mm. think that's, yeah, that's really one that, that's going to give us the confidence. But yeah, Morgan in that game, my God. Mm, but I think even if even if McGeady was 50% fit, I think you'd have to start him. Because I think if you don't go up, I don't think you'll keep him, will you? Surely not. It's a not. tricky one because him, Catmull and Oviedo, they're not League One players. Mm. But I think they're all on good championship player wages. And they're maybe yeah. league average championship players. So if you sign any one of those three, they've all got quite bad injury history. Mm. They're all, well, well Oviedo's... I think Oviedo might be 27, 28, but the other two are over 30. And I think that's been the thing. I think um, we expected them all to go in the summer. I think the ownership probably expects them to go. And it's it's just one of those where sort of as clubs get smarter, they don't really want to take Pay risks up, on yeah. guys like that. Oh, and that's the thing. I think we've, once you get to that age, there's you put, you've not got really a lot of selling value. So it's just dead money really, isn't it? So And then I don't know how long they've got on their contracts, but surely if... if yeah, I mean, if I was Jack Ross and I know there was rumours that he might, it, it needs to take a while. I think Mark Carrick was saying on our pod earlier, you know, that he might need to have some more treatment in the summer. Um, but I think, I mean, it's one game. You know, I think if he doesn't play him and then, you know, you lose, you lost the game 1 0, you'd be wondering, oh, what if I did start him? Because, you know, McGeady can pull something out of nowhere. It could be a set piece, it could be a long range, it could be anything. So if, there's, if he's walking and he can run, I think, he, he might, I think he'll start. Um, I hope he doesn't. I hope he's out. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same as if, you know, if, if Lyle Taylor was 50-50, I think you'd rather, we'd have to play him. And if and if, if we didn't play him, you, you boys would be delighted. But I'd expect him to be on the team sheet on Sunday for sure. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a case of who the third forward, well, who the fourth forward is with like McGeady yeah. and Honeyman rather than if or not. McGeady plays he's too good and to be fair he had the injury a month ago when we beat Doncaster in the league when we drew with Peterborough so it's not as if he's not played for it before yeah. I think obviously this is this is one that he circled as yeah take the painkillers get through it and then we'll see what happens after that I feel like it's time I've sort of wanted to avoid bringing up 1998 but I feel like <laughs> Before we before we get into predictions and sort of maybe just a little bit more on in terms of key players, we may as well mm. we may as well re re bring it up. Um, have you been? <laughs> is, this, is this why uh, Graham isn't here today? Because I spoke to him in August before the match, and I, I predicted that we'd be playing you in the playoff final. And then ever since, uh, I, but then I did say that you'd beat us on penalties because of Carl. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he said, "Oh, he takes me." He said, "I can't make it now." I was like, "I bet you can't." <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently it's apparently it's laptop issues. I don't think he's quite. I don't think he's quite that uh, that bitter sure old Graham. <laughs> but were you at the game twenty one years ago? No, I was. I was only eleven. I was watching it in. Um, I was watching it indoors, and uh, my old man, my dad's a Mere Wolf fan. Um, yeah, long story. And uh, I remember he said to me, so he's watching it at home. And obviously he was giving it the usual of, oh yeah, you're going to lose this, <laughs> going to lose this. 
And he said, I'll tell you what, I know you're going to lose. I'll give you a fiver, including penalties of every goal you score. Yeah, and then I was, yeah, so I was only, I was just about to start secondary school. Um, and at the time, obviously, I was delighted. But I mean, at the age of 11, I don't think you really comprehend what it actually means um, until, obviously, you go to school and you're talking to your mates who are Premier League. Um, but yeah, I still remember it. I mean, the, the bit that sticks out for me was probably, obviously, you'd say the Michael Gray, but for me, it was probably Richard Rufus scoring because it was his first ever goal, um, which was just before, obviously, to get it get it level again. And then, yeah, and I, I just remember the game just seemed to go on forever. And it was like, usually football games don't last this long. Obviously not knowing it all properly, but yeah, it was just, it was just an insane day. And I can still remember where I was, what it was like when obviously Illich saved the penalty. But I also, you know, thinking back now, you just think you take hats off to, to both teams, you know, and Sunderland as well, because both of them gave everything. And and it's a you know it's an honour really to be part as well as Sunderland of being one of the best games at Wembley. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen on Sunday like that because I don't think my heart can take it at this age at 32. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I mean it's it's going to be um I, I can't see it being exactly like that. But I'm just hoping it'll be a good game and um, we see, see some good stuff. I'd forgot that the game transcended. Um... Sunderland and Charlton quite as much as it did until Friday night when you've got like national newspaper journalists, just mm. random football fans like, here we go again, um, greatest playoff game ever, all, all this sort of stuff. I'd kind of forgot just how much that's the game people think of when they think of playoff football. Well, it's that and sort of Paul Dickov and, and Man City because Against of what's... Gillian. Yeah. yeah, because of what's happened with them since. Yeah, no, um, yeah, with me, it was one of those where I think my dad went to the game with a mate and I wasn't particularly interested in football at the time. And I just remember him coming back and it was like, it's like someone had died. I, I, I mm, forgot that. I, I didn't really realise at the time that football could mean that much to someone. It was honestly like, I was like, oh my God, what's what's wrong with him? Like, yeah. pull yourself together. It was just, yeah, it was just crazy. And yeah, and I remember watching on video cassette highlights and just <laughs> being like, oh, wow, this this football thing looks good. Like It was one of those one of those first times where I was like, oh, oh yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm getting the bug for this. And then obviously I sort of blamed that game a bit for for sort of getting me so obsessed with this stupid little <laughs> game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's, it's a weird one where, I'd, yeah, if I was, I'm very happy that I wasn't older at the time. If I was four years older, I'd, I'd still be scarred and I'm sure sure plenty of our listeners yeah like it's like getting punched in the stomach every time mm. you see that Michael Gray penalty also every time I watch that Gray penalty I'm caught off guard by how tame it is every yeah. time even though I know it's a really weak penalty yeah. I keep on expecting him to kick it harder than he does it's just like what is that <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh it was so fake that the I watched the highlights today just to sort of get me freshened up for this and yeah, that Richard Rufus goal, just Lionel Perez and his blonde highlights. Why oh. aren't you staying on your line? Oh, yeah, it was just it was just mad. It was just a mental game, and it was. I mean, because we didn't we didn't concede a goal for nine games before that. Going in one nil, um, we, we interviewed uh, Sasha Illich, um earlier in the year, and it was on the pod early, and he was saying they were so confident, it just felt normal, and they they didn't think they were ever going to concede ever again. And then obviously <laughs> we went one nil, and then obviously. You pulled it. You you went went ahead, and then we pulled it back all that time, and it was just an insane game. And 
the, I think the the thing that really stands out for me is is a, a lot of times even if like if you're in a league game and it's one all and then you know some 10 minutes to go you, you know you'll you'll concede and you're losing 2-1 a lot of heads will go down but in that game both teams literally was like nope not having this <laughs> here we go again and it was just hammer and tongs it was absolutely amazing in terms of for football itself and I think a lot of I think that's why a lot of Charlton fans have a lot of respect for Sunderland and the fans is because of that 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 day and and just the, the even though yeah Charlton went up but just the fact of that the effort that that both teams put in was absolutely remarkable yeah no it's the the other good thing about the game is that it obviously started your really long run in the Premier League yeah and like with us we then have the the hundred point season the next year, the two seventh place finishes, and it was kind of a game that both fans, at least in that in that sense, we can look back and think, yeah, but but really, really, really got them going and really got them focused after that, and sort of that Quinn Phillips era, which is the last one with us that we can really look back on in pride because one one top half finish in a uh, ten years, and even that one being achieved, where you go from. 14th to 10th on the last day of the season doesn't really cut it. So I don't know if uh, Chris Powell or anything since then's really got you boys going. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously with Pally was here, he obviously got us, um, he obviously won <laughs> League One with obviously most points. But as much as amazing as that was, uh, and and that sort of knitted group, and I think it was different with Pally because Pally came in and literally, I think we got in like 13 players or something because we had just had to have a massive clear out and he, from day one, we literally just stormed the league, and that was a great season. But this this season seems different. This seem this season that you know the fans seem Bowie and Jacko have galvanised the fans in in a situation where you didn't think it was possible last year. There was no I can't remember how much I think we must have had about fourteen fifteen thousand for the Shrewsbury uh, playoff leg last year. This year, obviously, where we had twenty four thousand on Friday. We've sold over thirty-five thousand for Sunday, and he's really galvanised the fan and and the fans are enjoying the way that we're playing. So yeah, we're we're winning and we're playing well, but it's the way that we're playing. And no, if no matter what happens on Sunday, the players will be give a hundred percent. They have even games we've lost. We've lost we lost two games at home um, in the league this year, which was Peterborough, which was a dodgy penalty that shouldn't have been in the last minute. And then Coventry, we battered them for 80 minutes and then they scored two goals in the last 10 on the counter. But though both of those games, they got standing ovation off the pitch. And that's, I think that's what Bowie has instilled to this group of lads is you give 110%, you lose the game, the fans, they can't say nothing because you've given you all. If you're just not the better team on the day, I think we were one of the, one of the most teams to score goals in the last 10 minutes or so. I can't remember what the stat was. So... Well, look at Friday. Here's another prime example. So, and I think they just never give up, and I think that will stand us in good stead. That's why I think it'll be a really good game on Sunday. Unfortunately, because of because of sort of what was expected pre-season, because of the way we finished the season, it isn't quite all the way there with us. I mean, obviously, seeing the back of Ellis Shaw, getting a new manager in, getting players that visibly care in a way that the last lot didn't, has brought us back some of the way. We're not quite all the way there. Um, just sort of on on the fans thing, mm. going into this season, was the sort of protests against the ownership still going on? Were there people staying away? Has that kind of completely gone away now? 
No, it's not. I mean, there's still, a, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Friday, um, we had a lot. We had a lot there, the highest we've had there for many, many uh, games. Um, but that was because, you know, we're one game away from Wembley, so it was always going to pick up. There's a lot of people still staying away because of the owner, and that's, you know, that's their right. That You know, they everyone supports their club in different ways. Um, but that will never change. I don't think, I think there'll be many fans that won't come back regularly until he goes. Um, but at the moment, what people are trying to do is trying to, is not think about the bad stuff at the moment. We're riding a crest of a wave at the moment. We're playing well. We're in a good place mentally. It's just try and focus on the positives and ignore that clown um, as much as we can until we need to worry about it. And I mean, and I think that's what the fans have decided to do now and just get behind the boys because they need us now. And um and like I said earlier, it's a it's a case of when and not if when he goes. So we just need to we can't control that. So let's just control what we can and just get behind the lads. And then hopefully, whether we do go up or if we do stay in League One, he just goes. Right, I had one more on my checklist before we yeah. get to predictions. Oh, no. Um, just a quick one. Yeah. Naby Sar is a bit of an enigma to me. In the game at the Valley, there was we clearly deliberately gave him all the time in the world on the ball. I was just wanting to sort of get a sense of whether he's good or not. Yeah, so basically with Nabs, he's very, um, he's very, he's very accomplished uh, on the ball. He, he's got a good left foot. He can do the diagonal balls no ease. He's good. He can dribble. He don't mind taking it past the forward if he fancies a Cruyff turn, which doesn't again doesn't bode well for my heart. But <laughs> he's he's confident. Um, but they're also, I think, on Friday, the only thing I. Th- the only reason I think he won't play on Sunday is that he looked very nervous on on Friday. Um, he did look a bit a bit too nervy, which is, I think, why he might bring Jason Pearson for his experience. Um, but yeah, Naby's has been... It's been difficult for Naby because Naby is one of the players, when obviously Roland came in, Roland had this perception of signing foreign players from one, in, you know, from his network of clubs by loan. But we got him from uh, Sporting Lisbon, who's who, very young, very raw. Um, and he was thrown in at the deep end in the championship and he wasn't ready. He physically wasn't, he's a man mountain, but yeah. he wasn't aggressive for his height and the size of him. He he was he was quite timid. Um, so he went away on loan a, f- a few times and he came back and Bowie said to him, he said, listen, look at the size of you. You need to be aggressive, you know, be a bit more of a beast. Pardon the pun, but and that's what you know, and that's what he said. But he's always been good at his feet, um, and he's and it, and there was a there was an element because he wasn't doing very good, and he was seen as a Roland signing. He got a lot of flack from the fans, and he did get quite a lot of abuse at the beginning. But this season, and probably last season, well, he's become a real sort of cult hero with the fans, just because of the the way he's improved and as a, as a person and as a player. But yeah, he's very good on the ball, but. There is a mistake in him. I'll get you know. I've always said that there is a mistake. He he can switch off, or he might do one cross turn too many, and um, against good players you get punished. And so that's why I think he might Bose might start with Pierce to uh, partner Patrick Bauer at the back. But I could be wrong. He might play all three. <laughs> yeah, no, that would that would be a huge call to to just suddenly sort of change your yeah. change your defence at this stage because I mean that was one of the crazy things about sort of our end of the season was turning up on Saturday and not knowing who was going to be playing centre-back mm. like either of them. So that, that would be a huge call. But um, 
yeah, we had a lot of players like that, that it got to the point where they symbolised sort of the malaise and it was, it would just be very, very difficult for them to mm. play for Sunderland again. Rodwell being the obvious example and Dong being another. And it's, yes, it's pretty cool that one's stuck at it and sort of won the fans over. Yeah, it's very cool. Right, yeah. um, Nathan, I think it's prediction time. What, oh, what are you going for? Do we have for? to? <laughs> I'd, I kind of feel I do when I do this. Like, I, I really don't ah. want to either, but I kind of feel like there's no other way to really end it. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. All right. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with a Lyle Taylor late, late, late finish from a set piece. Because we're one of the best set piece um, attacking wise. So I think we'll get a set piece last 10 minutes, Lyle Taylor, not in. That that sounds so horribly, <laughs> so horribly possible. I mean, our, our struggles from set piece at the start of the season. My God, oh, I've I've got to go for Sunderland. I'll yeah, I'll go it, for yeah. yeah, I'll go for two one after extra time. Um, oh. Yeah, I, I, I started this morning thinking you were slight favourites. I've convinced myself no it's a fifty fifty game now. And... I think you're. T- I think we're the underdogs, mate. <laughs> 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 no one's going to take that mantle are they being the favourites I looked at us sort of being the f- Will Grigg you know? <laughs> yeah well <laughs> but listen it'll be the, whoever like I said earlier, I said I said it all day and all, all week I said it'll be the team who plays their natural game if they try and make it the, the occasion bigger than it is or try you know what, what's the pun they don't play they play the game not the occasion and it's true it's whoever relaxes and plays a normal game, they'll win the game. Well, here we go. Just around the corner on Sunday, the League One playoff final. My God, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. <laughs> Nathan, thanks so much for joining me and thanks everyone for listening in. As always, stay subscribed to because we've got a big one coming with the owner again after the season. So, fingers crossed that goes well.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.